Welcome back, GPS to God, Daniel Sanders, Zach Edson, Ryan Gotro. We have J.C. Swafford with us as well. We got a very special guest. We're going to get to that in just one second because he needs a big introduction. But mailroom at gpstoguide.com. Make sure you uh, get in contact with us. You already know we got a big contest, not a contest, but a big fan participation episode coming up. So drop us an email, mailroom at gpstoguide.com. Find us on Instagram. Check out the YouTube channel. December 7th. That's when we're going to do our Life Hacks episode. We Time's need running out. That's right. Time is running out. I mean, we got a week but yep. uh, from when we record this episode, but send <laughs> it in. December 7th, we want to know your Life Hacks. What have, what have you seen you want us to test out? Keep your house clean. We'll do it for you. We'll make a mess. <laughs> we're going to let Ryan clean up this time. I, I did all the mm. confetti cleanup. Ryan, you got this one. <laughs> mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know about that. Well, I'll hire someone to come do it. Yeah, okay. That's my, that's my style. That's my style. <laughs> well, up anything. that's coming up. But right now, we're going to get to the good stuff. We have a very special guest with us today. We have Mr. James Jones. You may have heard of him. You may have seen him on a football field near you before. Big time star. Played with the Packers for a long time. Played with some other teams as well. He's still in the public eye. You might catch him on doing some fan duel stuff. He's on Fox talking football. He's working with the Raiders. He worked with Packers Radio. He is all over the place. Mr. Mm -hmm. James Jones, thanks for being here, man. We appreciate it. Not a problem, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm a man of many jobs right now, man. <laughs> I'm out there getting it. <laughs> <laughs> Two little ones at home, just busy guy. Oh, man, two baby kids, man, that I'm about to go torture out here on this football field in a minute when I get off with y'all, run them around crazy. But, uh, yeah, man, it's just busy life right now, which is good, though. That's right. That's great stuff. I don't. Did I say Super Bowl champion? I don't think I said nope. Super Bowl champion. Nah, man, you, missed, you missed out the most important. <laughs> <laughs> I surprised you didn't bring the I was ring out. Say, not wearing the ring. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm messing with you, man. Yeah. I'm messing with you. He, he can't wear it or block the camera. <laughs> right? you know, this big. This big. Super Bowl champion. Let's talk a little bit about football. We're going to back up. You mentioned your kids. We're going to talk about you growing up a little bit too. But man, let's let's start right there. With the Packers, did you? I got a question. We were talking about this before you came on. Yeah, you, you played with Aaron Rodgers a long time. Were you there yeah. when Brett Favre was there, or no? Yeah, I played with Brett my rookie year. My Brett's last year in Green Bay, 07 was my rookie year. So I caught about 40, 45 balls <laughs> from Brett uh, my rookie year. And you probably had about forty-five hours worth of questions of: Is Brett going to retire? Is he moving? Is he going to retire? I mean, that yeah, that yeah, was but I, all I was, everybody was wanted those, to know. Yeah, I was one of those guys who was on the Aaron Rodgers train anyway from the get-go. So <laughs> they stopped asking me questions. They say I I wasn't beating around the bush. They say, you know, what you think about this Brett situation? I'm like, I don't care. I want Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so they like, well, we going to stop asking you questions. We're going to Greg Jennings or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you don't care, JJ. You just let the world know you want Aaron. <laughs> That's pretty bold for a rookie. <laughs> it was, man, and it's crazy. That's kind of like that's kind of like one of the reasons how me and Aaron started becoming extremely close. You know what I mean? Like, like, I remember his parents come. And at the time, I didn't even know what I did. I just was like, you know, shoot, 12 is my guy. I came in as a rookie. You know, I, I was on the second team. So I was out there with Aaron a whole bunch. So me and him talked a lot. And, you know, on top of seeing how special he was as a quarterback before I moved up to, you know, be a starter and be out there with Brett, you know, I, I knew how special Aaron was. So it was 
it was kind of just like a no brainer. They asked me one day at my locker, man, who you? I'm like, dude, what are y'all talking about? Who I want? Like, <laughs> I, I want Aaron. And so many people, you know, Aaron was getting so much backlash from that. He didn't even do nothing. You know what I'm saying? But I just remember his parents coming up to me like, man, we appreciate you, man. You know, sticking up for our son and all that. And, and I'm like, no doubt, man. I, I let the world know I want 12, man. I didn't know it was going to be this good. <laughs> you know? I was on the I was on the Rogers bandwagon. Y'all got nothing. No, all, I, all that goodness, I, and y'all got nothing. I, I I know what a fan of Aaron he is. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind building on the Green Bay. I mean, title town, the the tradition. You know, the kids riding by, riding the bikes and training camp. Uh, just a little bit about Green Bay and that small community and what it was like to play there for what I guess six or seven years. I guess. Yeah, man, Green Bay was special, man. I mean, shoot, I was a young California kid coming from the Bay Area, drafted to the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, once I landed at the Green Bay Airport, you see absolutely nothing. I think, you know, <laughs> a, little, a little casino and a McDonald's, a three-legged deer running, you know. I'm like, man, where am I at? <laughs> did I get tricked? I mean, did I get drafted? But, uh, uh no, it's a special place to play, man. The fans is, you know, best fans in the world, extremely dedicated. I mean, it don't matter if it's hot, cold, ice, rain, snow. It don't matter. They are there. They are supporting their team. And it's not just on Sundays, man. I mean, you talk about off the field. It doesn't matter what position you play. It don't matter how many stats you got. You walk into Walmart, you walk into Target, the grocery store. They like, hey, man, you went to San Jose State, blah, blah, blah. You James Jones, <laughs> this your stats. This your stats on third down. I mean, it's, it's crazy. They, they're a dedicated bunch, man. And, you know, just the tr tradition to ride the bikes. I mean, it's a special tradition. It's crazy you brought that up because I'm actually attending a wedding of my guy that I rode his bike oh. for eight years in Green Bay. Wow. That's amazing. That's my awesome. guy, Mason Clapper, is about to get married, and I met him at nine years old riding bikes down there, and I, and he was my he was my same rider for my, my eight years in Green Bay. Uh, it was absolutely crazy. Now my man is about to get married. So it's a crazy tradition. Um, I hear a lot of stories about people still being in contact with their rider and all that good stuff, man. So it's a special place to play. The people are special out there in Green Bay, man. It's really no place like it. I guess we might only clarify that. So it's kind of a tradition after practice. You uh, Kids bring their bikes, correct? And then players yeah. ride the bikes to the back to the practice facility or the locker room or what What happens there? Yeah, so it's, it's two and before. I mean, it's before and after so you know all the kids man they drive in from all type of different places they sometimes families fly in and buy their kid a bike there in green bay and bring that bike up there and you ride them you ride the bike to practice and then after you ride the bike back to the locker room and either the next day you can pick a different bike rider or you know you can stick with your same kid you know uh, some people stick with their same kid and then some people just switch it up every day wow that's cool. That's I, awesome. I, didn't, cool. I didn't know that, I didn't know that either. Yeah. yeah. Let's hit on the Super Bowl real quick. What was that like for you? Did you approach it? It's any other game, or I mean, we know the media coverage is different, and just the the hype of the game. But what was it like for you? Oh man, uh, I mean, my wife ain't in here, so. Uh, <laughs> besides my kids being born, it's probably the greatest moment in my life. You know what I mean? And. It was a different type. Of, it was a different type feeling for me winning the Super Bowl because of everything that I've been through. You know what I mean? 
you know, I first 15 years of my life, I grew up homeless. I was a homeless kid, you know, slept under bridges, slept in tents, under bridges, slept on park benches, in and out of motels, in and out of homeless shelters for the first 15 years of my life. Uh, just seeing my mom struggle and all that, all that stuff, man. And as a little kid, five, six years old, me telling my moms, hey, I'm going to go to the NFL and I'm going to buy you a house. Everything going to be straight. And she looking at me like, boy, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know how hard it is to do that. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. We out here on the streets right now, you know, begging for some money, for some food and all that type of stuff, you know. So, you know, for me to get to the highest level and then be on the biggest stage playing in the Super Bowl, you know, and to be, and to be a big part of it, you know what I mean? Like just to, just to be out there playing, I had a bunch of catches, you know, and just to be a part of it to help your win to your team win that game, man. It just, you know, the tears came coming down at the end, you know, just, you know, remembering back, you know, where I came from, everything that I've been through, you know, to get to this moment. And now I'm at a position to where, you know, basically, you the, you're the best in the world, man. Can't nobody ever take it away from you. Uh, can't nobody say they're better than you, at least for that season. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and you walk out of there, you know, the best team and, and really feeling like you're the best player in the world. So it was crazy, man. It's, it's a feeling that I wish everybody could feel, uh, you know, because I know it's a lot of big sports fans out there and you know everybody a lot of people play sports in high school college whatever it may be youth sports whatever and it's just a feeling that I wish everybody could experience of whether it's winning a world series winning a super bowl I mean just getting to the highest level and winning a championship is a special moment man so James you had mentioned at 15 what what changed in your life at 15 that you that you then became not homeless or you know you got plugged in somewhere uh so I was in Sacramento living with my mother at the time and we were homeless and it just became, it became too much for me. I was a mama's boy and I'm like, man, I'll never leave moms and all this type stuff, you know, and my mom's was on and off of drugs. My pops was on and off of drugs. So for me, you know, it kind of was, I mean, we, we ain't have no food and I had walked into this pizza spot. And I had begged and pleaded to this dude, man, hey, man, you, me and my family hungry. You know, you give me a pizza, I promise you, man. One of these days, I don't know what day it's going to be. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know how it's going to be, man. But I come back and pay you back, and I just get a pizza. And my man gave me a pizza, and I took it back, you know, to my mom's and my sister at the time. And, you know, we ate the pizza. And I really, I just looked at my mom, and I said, Ma, I can't do it no more. I said, let me go with Grandma. And uh, my grandma had lived in San Jose. That's my dad's mom. She had lived in San Jose. And I just told my mom, I said, right now you're trying to love me around. We ain't got nothing. I said, get yourself together. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think it'll be easier, you know what I mean, if you're not lugging a kid around. You know what I mean? So, you know, I called my grandma. And my grandma was like, yep, she sent for me, sent me a little bus ticket, Greyhound bus ticket. And that's when it all changed for me, man. I was able to go to the same high school for, for all four years, Gunnerson High School, uh, you know, living with my grandma. And me and my grandma moved a lot, too, as well. But we moved. She kept moving just hey, around the block this way. That was I still was <laughs> able to able to go to the same school and all that and had the same friends and all that. And, then, you know, I just got some stability. You know, obviously I was playing football, doing really well in the football field. 
you know, doing halfway decent in the classroom and, you know, got a scholarship to San Jose State. And that's when it all started turning. I was going to ask, too, I thought I saw an article, uh, your Pop Warner coach, um, Marion yeah. Larrea, am I saying that right? There you go, man. See, you doing some research. <laughs> well, yeah, so much so, I think the influence you actually gave him in your game jersey from the Super Bowl, too, as I read that. And what kind of influence was that on you? Yeah, man, it was one day uh, my coach, came. Marion Larrea, came to the homeless shelter that I was living in at the time, and he was donating a meal. Him and his family was donating a meal, and he seen me outside playing catch, throwing the football up in the air, you know, being a bad kid, you know, <laughs> acting a fool out there. And, you know, he had stood up, and he, you know, he said, whose son is that out there? And instantly my mom was like, that's my son. Why? What are you doing? He acting up. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and my coach, my coach was like, no, like I see him play football. He's a heck of an athlete. I would love for him to play on my tackle football team. And instantly my mom said he would love to play, but I ain't got $300 for him to play no tackle football. And my coach said, hey, no worries. You know, we got him and he paid for me my whole Pop Warner career to play football. And I mean, that was one of the moments that really changed my life, you know, because if he ain't paid for me to play, I would have never put on a helmet and been have a chance to play tackle football probably until high school. And who knows, even if I still would have wanted to play when high school, you know, came around if I didn't get to play in Pop Warner and all that good stuff. So um, long story short, man, he was like a father figure to me. You know, he would invite me over to his house. I would stay at his house for weeks at a time and. You know, he'd feed me, buy me clothes, all type of good stuff, man. And, you know, his sons are like my brothers, you know, talk to them all the time. You know, love those dudes, they fathers and all that now. So, you know, it was it was just crazy to meet, to meet a guy like Coach Marion, man, and, and just really change my life and be a father figure in my life. So, yes, when I won the Super Bowl, I gave him my Super Bowl jersey, framed it and, and gave him my Super Bowl jersey because I let him know, man, you know, without him, it wouldn't have been no James Jones. Wouldn't nobody know no James Jones. Wouldn't nobody, you know, be wearing my jerseys or whatever it may be. I wouldn't be in the position I, I was in if it wasn't for him. So I gave him my Super Bowl jersey and, and really just let him know, man, that, hey, you earned this just as much as me. But now I see you now investing in your kids and through your foundation. Do you – is that a little bit of motivation for you while you coach? It is now. I mean, yeah. to be honest with you, I when we first moved out here to Arizona, coaching wasn't on my mind. You know, I always was one of those dads like, yeah, I'll be hands on. But, you know, I feel like, you know, your kids need to listen and, and hear some other voices and all that because, you know, they don't want to listen to you all the time anyway. So when I first moved out here, my, my oldest son was was uh, six years old and put him out there flag football. And I seen what these coaches were coaching. <laughs> and I and I looked at my wife and I said, get ready. <laughs> I, said, I said, number one, you know, you see the see the ability in your kid even at a young age, and you see how much he loves the game even as as a young age. And I'm like, okay, if this is what he wanna do, I'm not gonna let him build bad habits as a little kid. I'm not gonna let him get coached by people that you know, don't know what they're doing. And it's not, it's not even about 
you playing the game or, you know, none of that. I mean, shoot, some of the greatest coaches in the world played in high school and they ain't playing college <laughs> and all that. So, but you got to know what you're doing. You got to know what you're teaching. You got to be teaching the right stuff. And the coach that we was with, he had no clue what he was doing. And at that point I said, I don't know if it's going to get too much better, even if I took him to another team or another organization or whatever coaching wise. So I said, you know what? I mean, I'm a coach. <laughs> and, I started coaching and it just took off from there. And now, Zach, yes, that's 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 exactly how I feel. I have some kids on my team that are less fortunate and I see myself in them. And I've been in meetings with the principal at schools like I'm the dad. I've, you know, pick up, take home, you know, pick up, take to school, pick up, go take to get some food, make sure they got some clothes, make sure they got some shoes, you know, and you know, I, I see a lot of these kids, you know, that I got on my t- that I got on my team, man, is, you know, they not homeless or none of that. But, you know, they they in the hood, you know, they live in certain situations. And I feel like, you know, if somebody helped me. It's my job to be able to help others and me coaching. I coach both my son's teams now. So, you know, <laughs> me coaching, you know, both their teams, you know, I got I got a couple kids that, you know, that I treat like Coach Marion Larea treated me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I know just from our relationship of like what a, an example you are from, you know, it's, it's, it's neat to see the, 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 the way that you walked and now the way that you're living it out through others. And so uh, I just want you to let you know, man, it doesn't go unnoticed for sure. Appreciate it, my man. (laughs) You talked about your, your parents struggling with drug addictions. Is that something they overcame? Uh, my mom has been sober for the last, when did I retire? 16. Yeah. My mom has been sober for the last 25 years. Uh, my pops, he still dabbled with it a little bit, but it ain't, it ain't the hard stuff no more. My pops has, has beat that stuff, you know, but he still dabble every now and then. But man, I, I, I couldn't be more happier with, with my mom or my pops, man. Just, you know, being in my kid's life, you know, being being good grandparents and, you know, being around and, and helping them and being there for them, you know, that's all I can ask for. But, yeah, they both do well. When, when you went to live with your grandmother, was that kind of a catalyst for them trying to change? So my mom and my dad weren't together. So my, my my mom, my dad actually had his own little family in Fresno. He lived in Fresno with my stepbrothers and all that. So, you know, he was going through his own struggle out there, up and down with drugs and all that. And I would see him every now and then. You know, my mom would try to send me out there to go see him. But, shoot, it was, it was worse when I went out there with him. Uh, so I'm like, man, I don't want to go out there no more. Um, and then my dad moved back to San Jose maybe about, two years before I moved with my grandma. So once I moved with my grandma, my dad was over there as well. So I was able to kind of spend some more time with my dad too, even though he was still heavily on the drugs, I was able to spend some more time with him, at least see him, see him more. Um, but when I was growing up, man, you know, the first 15 years of my life, he, he, he wasn't a part of the homelessness. He was, down in Fresno, you know, handling his own stuff. And, you know, like I said, my mom would send me out there every now and then for me to see him, but it wasn't like he was, he was always around. So in 2015, I heard that there was a rule change that was because of you. Can you speak up on that a little bit? 
Yeah, man, I actually have two uh, rule changes. Uh-oh. Uh, well, knowledge. My time in the NFL. The first rule change is preseason in two – what was it? Preseason Aaron Rodgers' first year starting. So preseason 2008, uh, I caught a ball and got my helmet knocked off, and I ran and scored a touchdown. <laughs> And a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, saw the Jason Witten touchdown where his helmet got knocked off and he ran for about 15 yards and got tackled. But that season, that preseason season, I got my helmet knocked off and I ran for a touchdown. And after that game, the next week after that, they said you can no longer run without your helmet. The play is dead right there. You know, your helmet getting knocked off is dead. Your helmet get <laughs> yeah. pulled off. Play, play is over. You can't score no more. So that was my first rule change. And then my second rule change was the hoodie swag. Yeah. You know, <laughs> two, 2000, I was, Love what, it. was 2016 or 15 season. Uh, I was just tired of being cold, man. You know? <laughs> you know, we, we used to, you know, you practice in the cold, you practice with sweats on, hoodies on and all that. And one day at practice, we was outside and it was like negative five. <laughs> And we outside, and I seen all the boys by the heater and all that. And I had on sweats and tights and me long sleeve shirt and hoodie on. And I'm like, dude, I feel pretty good right now. I wasn't by the heater or nothing. And I remember looking at Randall Kyle. I said, bro, you cold? And he said, yeah, I'm cold. I said, man, I don't know why I feel good right now. So I said, you know what? The next day is supposed to be around the same temperature out here. I know we're going to be practicing outside. I said, I'm dressing the exact. Same. I'm talking cleats. I'm talking tights. I'm talking hoodie. I'm talking, and I did it. And I, I was like, man, I feel good. And I looked at Randall again. I said, hey, bro, I'm wearing this hoodie in the game. <laughs> and, he, and he was like, bro, no, you are not. I said, watch, watch me. I said, I am wearing this hoodie in the game. And I put that hoodie on in pregame, and all of them was laughing at me. They were like, dude, you look crazy. I said, I'm warm. I'm warm. I am warm right now, brother. And I'm going to be warm as y'all out there sitting on the heaters. I'm going to be warm. And I wore it in the game. And it's crazy because we talked about social media before the show even started. So my whole career, I wasn't on no social media. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have Twitter. I didn't have none of that. So we get back on the bus, and – everybody's like, JJ, you are trending right now. And I'm like, what's trending? And what y'all talking about? <laughs> and they like, man, on Twitter, man, everybody going crazy about your hoodie and all that. And they all showing me and all that. And I'm like, man, that's crazy. I said, well, they don't know I was just warm. Eh? <laughs> you know, so, no fashion statement? No fashion statement, none of that. And it's crazy because after that game, we beat Minnesota. I had a really good game. And it became like the good luck charm for our team that season. So I started off with a long sleeve hoodie and ended up cutting the sleeves off. Then I ended up cutting the belly off of it because they wanted me to wear it in indoor games too. Like you got to put the hoodie up. <laughs> you know, I'm sweat to death. You know, but I'm like, man, if y'all think it's a good luck charm, I do it, but I'm cutting these sleeves off and all that type of stuff. And after that season, they ended up banning it. They they took it out and they said you can no longer wear the hoodie and I'm like I don't know why man it's people that got long hair and all that that's part of the uniform if you pull somebody from the back you're just gonna go down so hopefully one of these days man they're gonna let the hoodie back in the game. <laughs> I love it the hoodie two two rules two NFL yep. rule changes that's awesome. <laughs>
But I want to ask you too. Uh, you know, you watch kids today. I've got a young son, an adopted son from Haiti, but he he's into football and he thinks yeah. you know, right now, hey, I'm I'm power five. I'm going NFL. I'm doing all this and that. And of course, you yeah. went to San Jose State and not yeah. traditional power, but you know, your senior year, y'all what won nine games, went to the, the Mexico Bowl, I think it was. Yeah. And, I think to them, kids today, you would want to say, just get to somewhere where you can play, and and people will find you if 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 you're good enough. And you, it's kind of advice you would probably pass along. One hundred percent, right? You know, my my kids, one wants to go to Alabama, one wants to go to LSU, and I'm like, well, both y'all sorry right now. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all ain't gonna go to junior college right now, so you better you better step the game up and go out there and catch some extra passes and all that. No, but I talked to a lot of high school kids out here, and I told them if you would have asked me this question ten years ago, I would have said, "Man, you got to go to Alabama, you got to go to LSU, you got to go to Ohio State, you got to go to one of these big times." Because if you don't, you're not gonna get drafted high. They probably not gonna find you. But now, nowadays, man. They are going to find you if you are working at the grocery store. <laughs> that that's that's just that's just how how invested these scouts are. That's how invested everybody is in all these organizations. They are trying to find that diamond in the rough. So it really doesn't matter about what school you went to anymore. If they turn the tape on and you showing that you could ball, even if you had San Jose State, Alabama. Uh, Cal Poly, it, it don't matter where you are. They are going to come find you if you are putting good film out there on that tape. And that's why you see a lot of guys in the National Football League now from a lot of these small schools. Well, there is a guy that played here for the Titans, Chris Johnson. He went to, I think, Coastal Carolina or East, East Carolina. Carolina. East Carolina. East Carolina. Yeah. 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 Ran for yeah. 2,000 yards in the league one season. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just tell people, especially my, my youngest son, you know, he, he he's all about receiver. And, you know, he, he think he this and he think he that. And, <laughs> and I tell him, I say, look across the NFL right now and look at the best receivers in the National Football League. And you can really go through any position besides probably – O-line and D-line, because that's the only thing that separates Alabama from San Jose State is the O-line and D-line, yeah. right? When we play Alabama, there's no way we're blocking five-star and bona fide <laughs> first-round draft picks and vice versa on the on the offense. There's no way our pass rushers are getting through bona fide first-round draft picks. But if we played them in a seven-on-seven -seven tournament, we'd kill them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's why, like, if you really look across the board, let's just start with receivers. You look at the best receivers in the National Football League, you know, you got Devontae Adams, Fresno State. I knew you were going to go there, right? Number one. You got you got Tyreek Hill. You know what I mean? I don't even know where Tyreek Hill went. Some type of junior college, then to some type of D4 school and all that. Yeah. You know, next thing you know, I mean, he the, he the best receiver in football. Keenan Allen from the Chargers, like the third-round pick. Like these dudes yeah. that, that are that are ballers, man, a lot of these dudes, man, is, is, is Stephon Diggs, fourth-round draft pick, Maryland. Like a lot of these dudes that's big-timers, you know, what about Cooper Cup? In Cooper Cup, yeah, small schools. Yeah, in Cooper Cup out of Eastern Washington. Cooper yeah, down there. Yeah. yeah, Cooper Cup went to down there junior college. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? but you know, so it, it it really just about you balling. It doesn't have anything to do with where you go anymore. That uh, if they if you good, they're gonna find you. Flag football kind of seems like it's a little bit bigger now. Um, maybe to do with all the concussions that people have heard about for 10 years or more now 
and especially the NFL, um, maybe some retired players spearheading that who have uh, had some health difficulties. You have children that play football. You played at the highest level. Is that a concern of yours for young kids playing football at an early age? No, it's not. A, it's not a concern for me. I mean, they are making this game so safe. I mean, <laughs> they they got these helmets weigh thirty two pounds, and they got so <laughs> many stuff, so much stuff up in them, man, protecting these kids from from getting concussions. Um, I would be lying if I say I wasn't worried in the beginning. You know, I, I was worried in the beginning when he first was going out there, but. To be honest with you, that's what I love about flag football. And I tell all the, all the parents that I that I talk to, at least put your kids in flag football for one season, right? Because you're trying to break down. You're trying to grab this little flag on the waist. And it really teaches you proper technique on how to tackle somebody. You can't just run up in there and duck your head down and pull the flag. You're not going to pull the flag. If you don't see the flag, you're not going to pull the flag. That's the hardest part of the game. So these little kids at a young age, six, seven, eight, nine years old, they got to learn how to break down, slide their feet, move, head out of the way, and all this type stuff. So it really teaches them the proper technique, you know, how to tackle. And I love flag. And that's the same with tackling now. I mean, I coach my oldest son's team. I mean, we're not out there doing – I mean, and obviously, you know, you can't get some stupid coaches. But I was going to ask that. Yeah, we're not out there, you know – tackling you know for hours and hours and hours you know what i mean we teach them the proper technique we may do one or two tackling drills here and there but we teach them the proper technique on how to tackle and when they get in the game man they know how to tackle they know how to get their head out of the way and all that good stuff and i'm not saying you know the freakish accidents can't happen but you know we try to we try to focus on that and get that out of the way well when you said you were coaching your kids now is that a reason is that a reason you're coaching from fundamentals to things that you saw other coaches not doing? Was that a, was that a big influence in why you're doing what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, sure. Like I say, when you're a young kid, man, that's where you develop, develop all the good habits or the bad habits. And then when you get to college or when you get to high school and you got a solid coach, you're trying to break all those bad habits or, you know what I mean? If you get a coach and you got good habits, he, you know, bonus for that coach, and, you know, he's able to teach you some different stuff because you're more advanced than, than all the other kids. So, um, that was one of the main reasons why I got into it. And I wasn't really necessarily worried about flag, but I knew eventually they were getting the tackle, you know, and you do not want a bad tackle football coaches. I'm, I'm sure we've all seen clips on Twitter, Instagram, whatever they may be posting of these tackle football coaches throwing tires at kids, <laughs> you know, got the biggest kid on the team running over the youngest kid on the team, just crazy, stupid stuff. You know what I mean? So, you know, when you're putting your kid into some tackle football and stuff like this, go to the practices as a parent, see what they're teaching, make sure they're teaching the right stuff, you know, make sure they practice in the right way, and, you know, so your kid doesn't get hurt. And another reason why I'm coaching is because my sons are, are halfway decent, and I never wanted a coach to say, oh, I got a really good player at eight, nine years old. I'm going to win every game because he's going to get it 50 times. No, he's not. Not my son. You know what I mean? That's way too many hits, way too, you know. So, like, my kids know. One of them play running back. My oldest plays running back in corner. My youngest plays receiver in corner. And they know. My oldest knows you might get the ball five times. Maybe. 
So in a game. So you better do your best with the five games. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You know, and if the game is on the line, you might get it six. But you know, the 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 time, the time like and the parents know. I don't care nothing about how many touchdowns they score and all that right now. That's not what it's about. It's about them developing, learning the right stuff. And when they get to high school and when they get to college, the they coach gonna say, Hey, do it like this. And he's gonna be like, Man, I've been doing it like this since I was five. <laughs> but even you know, the, I, even the NFL now is kind of uh it's not a league where you have one power running back. We'll use running back, for example. You know, back yeah. in the old days of Emmett Smith or an Eddie George or something like that, those guys are getting the ball 30, 40 times. Now it's – you can take maybe Derrick Henry and the Titans out of the equation, but yeah. every other team in the league, you got to have two, three, four running backs that carry that load collectively. Absolutely, man. You want to take the ground and pound off them guys, man. Number one, you want to make sure, especially if you got a good one, you want to make sure he could be around for a little while. <laughs> you know, and number two, just the wear and tear of the season. You don't want that seed. You want them to be fresh at the end of the season. So, yes, every team in the National Football League, you know, really besides the Titans, you know, hey, it's it's, it's kind of running back by committee kind of, you know what I mean? And you got two or three-headed monsters in the backfield giving those guys 15, 12 carries a game, you know what I mean, so they could, they could be fresh at the end of the season. So that's where it's going, uh, you know, unless you got a guy that's, 270 pounds running full fold. Everybody bouncing off of him on all that. 30 carries to him is like 12 carries. (laughs) I mean, you're still very active, so don't offend anybody. But who are some of maybe the best players you played with or played against in your time in in the NFL? The best players that I played with, I'll start off with that. The best players that I played with, obviously, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers is on a whole different level. And if you're going to ask me the question who's better, it's not even close. Aaron Rodgers is, <laughs> is 10 times better uh, than Brett Favre. <laughs> um, Nick Collins, man, safety that hurt his neck and was on his way to a Hall of Fame career uh, in Green Bay. Probably one of the best safeties that I've ever seen play the game of football. Uh, Just sideline to sideline, could tackle, super smart, just special football player. Uh, Green Bay Packer Hall of Famer. Another guy is Charles Woodson. I mean, (laughs) Charles Woodson is probably the baddest man that I've ever played with and played against because I had a chance to play against him when I was with the Packers and he was at the Raiders and I had a chance to play with him both places at the Raiders and at the Packers. And you just talk about a dude that on top, everybody knows ability, but on top of that, I mean, just how smart he was. I mean, he knew if your foot was pointing this way, what route you was running. He knew if your stance was like this, what route it was. He knew if your stance was like this, it's a run play. He knew if your eyes is like this, when you come off the ball, it's this route. It, it, just, it just was crazy. And I'm like, bruh, how do you know all this? You know, he, he just, he studied his tail off, just an extremely smart player, you know, and just fun to compete against and play with. And then, Last one, and I mean, it's a bunch of them, but my last one is Clay Matthews. You know, I, I seen this dude play in his prime, and he was clearly unblockable. I mean, they couldn't triple-team him, double-team him, nothing. Uh, I mean, 
this dude, he was he was special. Played against the number one guy I played against that was that I never wanted to play against, Darrell Revis. Darrell Revis was, I mean, people don't even know how strong he was, man. But you just talk about a dude who remind me of Charles Woodson, man, just patient, smart, know everything that's coming, extremely talented, extremely strong. You know, very rare you're going to win on him with with any type of separation. You know, it was always a battle every time I went up with him, you know, a special football player. Another guy that I hated playing against that I had to I got a chance to play against a couple of times was a special football player was Brian Dawkins. Mm. Safety from the Philadelphia Eagles. I played against him early in my career and I almost retired um, after the first time he hit me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I will not be hit like this no more. <laughs> you know, my rest, the rest of my time playing, I mean, he hit me so hard, my whole body went numb. And he ain't hit me in the head. He hit me in the back and my whole body went numb. And I said, what in the world is that? I thought it was, you know, I thought it was a diesel truck coming down there. Brian Dawkins, you know, was he was he was a special football player. And my last one, I mean, and there's a bunch of them, was Ray Lewis. You know, getting a chance to play with Ray Lewis and, you know, see the battles that him and Aaron was having at the line of scrimmage, <laughs> you know, quarterback <laughs> of the defense, you know, he he was he was fun to play against. His defenses was fun to play against. I love competing against the Ravens when Ray Lewis was out there. That's a dude, that's a dude I do not want to see coming at me. <laughs> yeah. That's no, for sure. No. I got, I got a question, something similar. I know something special for you, first game, obviously, and then winning a Super Bowl, but is there another moment in the NFL that you just cherish the most? Uh, it got to it gotta be getting drafted. Okay. Uh, you know, getting drafted was probably, you know, I don't, I don't know what I cried more on, on getting drafted or winning the Super Bowl because – not your wedding day. Getting drafted was one of those was one of those moments to where, dang, all the work that I have put in, all the sacrifices that I've sacrificed, me being five years old, telling my mom I'm going to the National Football League, telling my telling my family I'm going to the NFL, and people looking at me crazy. You know, me walking away from my friends saying, "Nope, I ain't going with y'all over there." I'm going over here because it's only one place I'm going if I go over there with y'all, and that's probably to the jailhouse or something. So I'm mm -hmm. going over here and just reminiscing and, and thinking back to all that. And then my phone ringing and the Green Bay Packers saying, we're going to take you with this next pick was probably the greatest feeling ever because it was truly just hard work pays off. You know what I mean? And I'm sure you guys know, I mean, when you work extremely hard for something and you sacrifice for something and you don't know if it's going to happen, you know what I mean? You believe it's going to happen, but you don't know if it's going to happen, but you keep grinding, you keep working anyway. And finally it comes true. <laughs> like I did it. You know what I'm saying? And it was one of those to where like, man, you thought about being under under park bridges. You thought about being in tents. You thought about being in motels and homeless shelters. And like, man, I told my mom. And you got that call. It was just it was a special feeling. I had the same talk with my son just last week. That same thing right there. <laughs> yeah. So let's kind of fast forward. Get drafted in. The end of your career. 
were you did you know you were done and then how did you prepare to transition out of football man so i always told my wife that i will never cheat the game i don't care about no money i don't care about nothing i will not cheat the game right so my when i signed with the chargers after my last year with the packers i signed with the chargers I went out to practice and I had dropped like three, four passes. And I was smiling, having a good time, you know, like, shoot, I don't care, you know. And early in my career, if I dropped a pass, I wouldn't sleep till the next day because I got to hurry up and get out on this practice field and I got to erase this drop. I just cared and loved the game that much. And when I got to the Chargers, I just didn't have that hunger anymore. And my wife was like, sleep on it, pray about it, you know, and see how you feel in a week. And in a week, I felt the same. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I went up to the Chargers uh, GM and I said, hey, I love you. <laughs> Appreciate the opportunity. But I'm done. You know, I just I just knew it was my time. And it's crazy because that same season, like a couple weeks after I retired in preseason, I went to the Packers' first game, first home game against the Seahawks. And I thought, like, man, ain't I'm going to want to play. And I walked in that building, and I seen Jordy getting dressed and Randall getting dressed, and I looked at him, and I said, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I said, y'all boys stay healthy. Good luck. But I did not get no itch to play. I didn't get none of that. And that's how I knew I made the right decision. Well, James, we appreciate you coming on. We know you got football practice and all kinds of stuff to yeah, do. Yeah, y'all see I'm scrounging about to try to get out this door. Oh. Man. But yeah, hey, anytime y'all need me to come on again, just let me know. Hey, well, we appreciate this time. Have a good practice, and uh, thanks again, buddy. Thanks, James. Sounds good. Yep. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, brother. So good of James to come on and to awesome stories and uh, some good insight of uh, perseverance and Meant just, I mean, absolute starting at the bottom. He was absolutely at the bottom. But, uh, man, sticking with it, hard work pays off. I was telling Carter that just the other day. That was a <laughs> crazy reference there. But uh, brought back some memories. It's, it's interesting to hear, you know, somebody telling their mom, hey, we're, I'm going to take care of you later in life. And then it, it come into fruition. Um, you know, his story is, is amazing. His oh, yeah, is amazing. Absolutely. So, he didn't get to touch on any of it, but, like, he met Tamika at college at San Jose State, and, you know, they, they've been married the whole time. And, uh, you know, just their, their family unit. And, you know, uh, Miss Janet lives with them in Arizona. And so it's, uh, it's, it's amazing to see how close his family is and where his heart's at um, because of his childhood. And so I think they got married just before or just mm -hmm. after his rookie year. Yep. When, yeah. Yep. So. But, uh, James, thanks so much, buddy. That was cool. We hope you all enjoyed that. We have a – Bible verse to kind of tie into that. James had to go kind of quick. We were we were holding him up a little bit, but uh, uh, Bible verse. We're in John chapter fourteen. We're going to start in verse two. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So just kind of a promise of uh, uh, a heavenly home. So it kind of tied in good with his story of uh, 
not having a house, not exactly. being right. under bridges, yeah. hotels, all that kind of stuff. This is this is a transitional place mm-hmm. for us. So I don't know if you've ever a chance to watch. Um, I love watching the online videos of guys when they get the call when they get drafted. Oh, yeah. and it's, it's, it's so emotional and so fun. Just hearing tell that story too made me just think of that. And I, I hope he's got it on video where he can go back and enjoy that too. You think about it, it'd be on a, like VHS, maybe. <laughs> that's true. In 07? In 07? It's probably DVD, probably recordable DVD stuff. Yeah. 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 Writable CDs. Yeah. Yeah. I had a cell phone in 07 with a camera on it. He had something. <laughs> Uh, he, he's a he's a good one for sure. I just think about like just his his path, um, and now his passion to to give back to those kids. So like as, as he and such a unique perspective that he can give back and to yeah. you know kind of show here's where I was, here's where I started, and hopefully those kids are above where he look. You have these advantages I didn't have. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do, do with, with it? it? Yeah, yeah. And he gives back so much to the community, and like you know, he lives in Arizona now, but he does camps back at San Jose State, and you, you obviously can tell how much he loves Green Bay and is up there a lot. And so maybe not the cold weather. He yeah. does not love the cold. I wanted to hit on that, like oh, a Cali kid to, from. Like, <laughs> so you live in Arizona now? You get all the way out of Green Bay. <laughs> That's right. With the quickness. Yeah. I was going to ask him if he had a cheese hat. Oh, I am sure. I am sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Don't hold back when you got questions right. for the guest, Ryan. Hey, jump right in. He was he was a man on a mission. We had he he was got time and, to and the, that a little bit. That's my fault because I was helped facilitating this, and then he was like, "What time? I need to be out of here." And uh, for some reason, I just thought he was two hours behind, but he's only one. And so when I said three, that that's that's on me. Well, that's all right. We we may or may not air that admission. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's gonna make it. Yeah. I'm sure it's gonna make it. <laughs> But, uh, hey, we appreciate all of you listening. We hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Great story from James Jones. You can check him out. FanDuel, he's on Fox, uh, you know, doing NFL stuff. He does work for the Raiders, work for the Packers. Go check him out. You can check out his social media. I'll go ahead and tell you, it's probably not him posting on there. It's probably his wife. As we learned. You you all did not get to hear that uh, uh, confession from him, but – well, yeah. He's got a big foundation, uh, Love Jones for Kids. So if you know you got time, go check that out as well. Absolutely. So uh, let's see. We did the Bible verse. We did it all. December seventh. We we need your uh, we need your suggestions. What do you want to see? Get them in for uh, our life hacks episode. December seventh. Need need to have it. Mailroom GPS to God Hit us up on Instagram. JC even sent us some. So. Yeah. The, the email address them. works. That's right. Is he in it for a gift card or something? That's what I was waiting on. <laughs> How did, yeah, I'll, I'll go back to GPS, it's, our guest person speaking today. <laughs> but uh, well, maybe. We, we may give a – I mean, well, he's getting an early shout-out. We said if you send stuff in, we will credit you with mm. sending it in. So he's getting credit already. That's right. That's right. But uh, um, thanks for being here, JC. Oh, I enjoyed it. Thank Adam's you. in the background. You can't see Adam, but Adam, thanks for being here as well. You guys know it. We love you. God loves you more. See you next week. I could have geeked out. I had 10 more questions, I mean, dude. I, I was ready to go. <laughs> I wanted to, I was going to ask him about just it's the fans in the black hole. I mean, I just can't imagine. Uh, yeah. those oh, nuts. and the Raiders? Uh, yes. Yeah. Thanks for listening to GPS to God. Make sure you leave a rating or review on whichever app you happen to use. Also find us on YouTube and be sure to subscribe to our channel.